Hello there! Welcome to the latest episode of Too Boldly Pod, the podcast about anything and everything. And at some point, we're going to get to it. Now, you may have guessed from that opening little statement that today we're going to talk about the series that just concluded on Disney Plus, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I thought for quite a while about how I wanted to bring this episode of To Boldly Pod to fruition, to life. And I thought, you know, do I want to get technical and go episode by episode? Do I want to break down all the performances? Do I want to talk about it from a from a cinematic perspective? Not that I really have any ability or knowledge to talk about anything from a cinematic perspective. But it is what it is. Do I want to talk about it spoiler-free for people that maybe haven't watched it yet? And then it just kind of dawned on me. I don't want to get too nerdy. There's plenty of podcasts out there, official and otherwise, that break down everything from episode to episode. I'll pretty much keep it to where I keep most of my podcasts, and that's really from a viewer slash fan perspective. And though I may throw some useless information regarding the series at you during this conversation, it'll pretty much be your standard fanboy talking about the series that concluded sort of podcast. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe at whatever distribution site that you listen to your podcast, and you'll get reminded each and every time there's a new episode of Too Boldly Pod. Now, before we get into it, I haven't decided yet, I haven't really talked to my co-host, but I may make this into sort of a Too Boldly Pod Tap the Wire crossover event, but we'll see what the uh, co-hosts have to say about that. I know they're they're really busy right now, and they haven't been able to, to totally catch up on Obi-Wan yet, so maybe they want to wait, and we'll see what happens with that, but... Anyways, as you probably know if you're a fan of Star Wars, that this is was a six-part series on... Six-episode series, I suppose you could say, on Disney+, Plus, which just concluded this past week. And for the most part, I think it was met with predominantly positive reviews by critics and fans alike. I know on IMDb it got a 7.2 out of 10, and it had an 83% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so I suppose you could say that's better than most, and there were some detractors out there as far as internet chatter, but we'll get into that as the conversation commences. Now, initially, and I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but Initially, it was a script was written for this to be a standalone Star Wars movie. But after the sort of disappointing reception that 
Solo, a Star Wars story received in 2018. That idea was scrapped and it was reworked into a limited series for the soon-to-be-launched Disney Plus channel. And as you probably figured or know that Ewan McGregor was brought in to reprise the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Deborah Chow was hired to direct the series a month later. Now, production was scheduled to begin in July of 2020, but it was put on hold in January of that year because Lucasfilm was kind of unsatisfied with the scripts that they took from Hassan Amini's original script that the movie was going to be about. So they wanted to sort of rework it, and they hired Joby Harold to rewrite the series and serve as showrunner. And all of that combined with COVID, the actual filming for the series didn't begin until May of 2021. So a year later, in May of 2022, was when the series debuted on Disney Plus in a weekly episodic format, concluding this past week in June of 2022. Now, a lot of like I said before, had a had pretty positive ratings from fans and critics alike. Some of the the naysayers and the the critics were talking a little bit about how the writing was sort of subpar. And I think we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago about how why people hold so much regard into Star Wars. It's, Star Wars has never been known for its deep intellectual, deep meaning stories. It was more of an action-oriented universe as opposed to, say, Star Trek, for example, which was more of a cerebral universe. And one of the things I mentioned to a friend of mine when it first started back in May was kind of had a a slow burn at the very beginning. And and he brought up a a very good point that seems that all of these Disney Star Wars shows all have done that. They've all had that slow beginning before they really get into the meat of the story. And he's right. I mean, if even the Mandalorian sort of was really slow at the beginning And Boba Fett was really slow to get things going. And this one, it was exactly the same. The first episode or two, you had little nuggets of action and entertainment. But they were really building up the story that Obi-Wan had done as he was asked at the end of Revenge of the Sith when Yoda said, into into hiding we must go or whatever the hell the line was but sorry for the bad impression but he did that he 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 was looking over luke from a distance on tatooine and he was actually working as a butcher so he kind of cast away his or should i say buried his his jedi-ness his jedi training sort of forgot a lot of his Jedi knowledge and 
this all took place according to the the story arc 10 years after revenge of the sith so in that preceding 10 years he'd worked as a a butcher and sort of shelved his jedi-ness tried to forget that he was a jedi i guess is the best way to put it so as the story gets going you will learn that this there is this group of bounty hunters for lack of a better phrase that darth vader has called the inquisitors that end up on tatooine looking for rogue jedis and these inquisitors are led by the grand inquisitor and they don't necessarily say that they learned a little bit of jedi training a little bit of sith training from darth vader it's just sort of inferred because they they have a little bit of force power around them or with them and they all carry lightsabers so they're, they're hunting some of these leftover again rogue jedis trying to hunt them down for darth vader to to completely wipe out the remaining jedi in the galaxy now, because Obi-Wan has buried being a Jedi for so long, not used his Jedi powers for so long, they weren't on Tatooine looking for him. They were actually hunting another Jedi, and he just happened to be there and was able to evade them detecting that he was a Jedi. Now, intermingled within all of this, you you first see the return of Darth Vader or your first scenes with Darth Vader and show him working with the Inquisitors and he's really on a, on the hunt to find his lost master which he knows is still alive somewhere so not only is he obsessed with hunting down the, the, the remaining Jedi that are still in the galaxy his main hunt if you will is to find his ma his old master obi-wan so one of the inquisitors the third sister is very ambitious to become the grand inquisitor to be the the top dog right next to darth vader so she hatches this plan to go to alderaan and kidnap princess leia who as we all remember is in the care or was adopted adopted by bail organa and she's kidnapped by vec nor no Cruz gang of bounty hunters trying to draw out obi-wan kenobi in order to try to impress or gain favor with darth vader and after Leia is kidnapped. Bail Organa contacts Obi-Wan and begs him to find her and bring her home to Alderaan. And that's pretty much the premise of the entire series is Obi-Wan finding Leia and trying to return her home to Alderaan. So that's the basic premise of the show. Now, mixed, intertwined in that are, are the subplots of Vader and Obi-Wan and the third sister 
storyline and stuff like that. And I don't know how much I really want to go deep in. Like I said, I didn't want to go episode by episode. So that's the basic premise of the series. Now, within it, Darth Vader kind of joins the hunt when they figure out that, or he figures out that it's Obi-Wan. And that really sets him off trying to capture his former master. And one of the cool things that they did within this series is when they finally meet up face to face, there was a lot of sort of flashbacking that occurred where they, they showed stuff that we didn't necessarily see in the prequel trilogy that was just sort of assumed back then, but we got to see it now. And one of the instances was when Obi-Wan and Anakin were were having a lightsaber training session and it, it really shows kind of the 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 short-sightedness the the obsession that Anakin had with with being the 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 greatest the best a master if you will without actually taking the time to think everything through he was very impulsive so in this flashback lightsaber training session he kept saying how you know he was stronger than obi-wan he was better than obi-wan there's no way that obi-wan could beat him and obi-wan just slowly plotted through defense 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 until one little mistake was made and he capitalized on it and at that point he kind of said made some comment to anakin about you're not a master yet you still have a lot of work to do. And I, I think that shows the obsession that Anakin slash Darth Vader had with that being the best, I suppose, is the best way to do it. And the anger that it fueled him because he wasn't the the greatest Jedi at that point. And, and I could totally be wrong on that. That's just sort of the way that I took from it. And... At one point, in about the midpoint of the series, they had their first standoff against each other, and Obi-Wan hadn't completely regained his Jedi skills that he had buried for so long. So he was bested by Darth Vader, and he was only saved by the fact that somebody that he had with him to help him sort of saved the day and was able to to keep him alive so as the story progressed and moved on as you may as figure that this hunt through space began where obi-wan and leia were trying to get her back to alderaan and they were being hunt hunted by not only darth vader but also by predominantly the third sister of the Inquisitors. And at one point, they had them all cornered on this planet where it really appeared like there was no escape. So before Vader showed up there, and sort of at about the same time that Obi-Wan was really starting to recapture all of his buried Jedi powers and knowledge, he had an interaction with the third sister and was able to sort of Jedi mind read that 
she in fact wasn't working for Vader per se as much as she was trying to get close to him in order to kill him because she was one of the younglings that was able to escape death when Anakin Skywalker killed all the younglings at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So it's a little bit of a twist in the story there, which ends up getting played out pretty ingeniously, I think, kind of going hand-in-hand hand with her and Vader. And I'll just go ahead and share that now. Kind of was reminiscent of she was a little bit like Anakin was and how of how he became Vader he she, he was so obsessed with pleasing everybody and being the best at everything that he would take shortcuts and forego the proper training in order to be able to control some of these force powers that he had and she was sort of the same way. She was kind of obsessed with getting to Vader. At this point in that episode is when Vader shows up and Obi-Wan had left to join the ship so they could all escape before Vader reached them. And, and they sort of prove the point of Vader's obsession and inability to think everything through is when he walked into the cavern where the ship was, they had set one to take off, and he used his Jedi Force to hold that ship in place and cause it to land again without realizing there was a second ship right there that actually had everybody on it, and that one took off and was able to escape. So that sort of shows you the, the short-sightedness of why Obi-Wan had, had told Anakin that he wasn't patient enough in order to harness all of the information that the Force was giving him, why he wasn't ever going to be a master, because he hadn't mastered that patience yet. And it's at this point when the third sister comes up or sneaks up behind Vader and is going to try to kill him, because Anakin tried to kill him when she was a youngling, and he sensed that she was there and used the Force on her. And I'm not going to do a, a lame James Earl Jones voice, but I'll just simply say, you think I didn't know. See, that's why I didn't do the voice, because I suck at it. But... He left her there thinking that he had choked her to death when she survived, but she was still alive, and she actually had the cunning enough to figure out that Luke was on Tatooine and was also and was also Anakin's child, and which is something that they didn't really say in the series, but I just take it that she assumed that Vader knew he had this child on Tatooine, when in fact we know from the stories that Anakin thought that when Padme died, her child died with it, so he didn't know that he had any children 
So I guess, in my opinion, we just all assumed that the third sister thought that Vader knew he had at least the son on Tatooine. She never really expressed any knowledge that she knew that Leia was also Anakin's child. But So, in the end, it ended up being... They were again hunting this ship with everybody on board, including Obi-Wan and Leia. And at this point, it's when Obi-Wan realized that he needed to leave that ship of people to face Vader. It would be the only way that the rest of them could get away and get free, sacrificing his well-being for everybody else. So... We had the the last standoff between Vader and Obi-Wan, and I'll just say this about that that last standoff. It was pretty damn epic. To which, again, like the flashback I talked about earlier with them having the, the lightsaber training, this matchup sort of went the same way that, that Vader thought he had the best of Obi-Wan, but... Obi-Wan was slow and methodical and thought everything through and was able to best Vader yet again. And I'm specifically not getting into too much detail for maybe people that might listen to this that haven't watched the series or completely watched the whole thing. I'm giving away a little bit of spoilers, but I'm really not giving away too much that you don't already know if you're informed about the, the universe. Now... At this point, Obi-Wan escapes again because he sort of leaves Vader in peril and has the the force sense that the third sister has gone to Tatooine to hunt down Luke and that's and this kind of shows you the 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 sort of dedication that I mean we always assume that Baru had the 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 love for Luke for being his aunt, but in the original series, or the, excuse me, the original trilogy, we always kind of got this glimpse of, of Owen as being this hardline, no emotional moisture farmer who had Luke because he was asked to keep him, but didn't really have that emotional connection. But, but in this series, and especially this last episode, and the last few scenes of the last episode, you really see the dedication that Owen has for Luke, his ability to to fight, to keep him protected. And as they find, they're tipped off that the third sister is coming for Luke. So he and Baru sort of get out these these weapons that they've had buried for so long, and they try to, to fight her off as long as they can, so hopefully Luke can run into the desert and get away. But that's the point where you really seen it. Like I said, we've seen it with Baru. We kind of knew it with Baru before, and you always, at least I did, at least I thought that Owen was always sort of the, the prototypical hard-nosed male farmer figure that 
supported his family but really didn't show that he had any emotional connection to him but in these last few scenes you really saw that owen deeply cared for his nephew and would do whatever it took to protect him and it's at this point that obi-wan shows up and and sees owen and peru and they all are starting to head out into the desert to look for luke thinking they want to find him before the third sister finds him when she appears coming out of the shadows carrying luke and she found him but she was unable to kill him so you know sort of using the wrestling vernacular she had the old face turn at that point where she went from being a heel to a baby face where she realized that her anger and her evilness wasn't directed towards the Jedi more as much as it was directed towards Vader for what he did to her friends, the her fellow younglings back at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So she has the face turn and Obi-Wan lets her go and realizes that she has a lot of good within her heart, and she ha- has avoided the the temptations of the dark side. So, in the end, he completed his mission. Leia was safely returned to Alderaan, to Organa, and he was back on Tatooine, and everything was as it should be. So... I know I was really vague with a lot of the stuff, and like I said, I didn't want to say that for people that maybe haven't watched the whole series or watched any of the series yet that still want to. I think my explanations about stuff was kind of vague enough where you can still be entertained by the series without throwing any major spoilers at you, even though there's really not a a ton of huge spoilers in this series. So I guess I'll just say a little bit about what I thought about it. A, I really love the fact that they brought Hayden Christensen back to play Darth Vader. And B, I was really happy to see that they were able to get James Earl Jones to do the voice of Darth Vader again. And there was a scene when the final face-off between Obi-Wan and Vader where... You actually got to hear and see a little bit of Hayden Christensen. So I'm sure he spoke his lines on the set and then it was overdubbed by James Earl Jones later. But I was really happy that Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones both reprised the role of Anakin slash Darth Vader. So it kind of brings you sort of full circle with it having to recast it with somebody that wasn't Hayden Christensen even though even if you wouldn't have seen the person it still wouldn't have felt completely right at least to me anyways and then hearing James Earl Jones voice in and of itself was enough to make this nerd completely mark out that first time that we seen and heard Vader now Speaking of marking out, I I will admit that I totally did mark out that first time that we saw Darth Vader 
at the beginning of the series. So I really, really, and I, mean, I always, when I watch these, I always kind of put myself in my eight to fourteen-year-old self's mindset because. That was the age I was when the original trilogy was released, and especially my eight-year-old self. I was so in love with Star Wars when it came out. I, I mean, it was that was it. That's what made me who I am today, this sci-fi nerd, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I saw Star Trek before it, but I didn't really become a Trekkie until the 80s. Now, clearly you all know that above all other things, I'm a Trekkie, but it was Star Wars and specifically A New Hope and Empire that really carved out what I was going to love cinematically or entertainment-wise for the rest of my life. So when I first saw Vader in that first episode, I really, really hearkened back to eight-year-old Dan, and that's kind of the way I watched this entire series. Now, was there anything I didn't really like about it? No, actually, there wasn't. Other than, like I told you, there was a little bit of a slow build at the beginning that all these Disney series have had. I love this series from the inception till the very end, and the only minor thing that I was a little bit annoyed with at the time was I thought the Leia character was a little a little annoying snob brat, and I was annoyed with it. But then I realized there was a reason they had her playing that, was she was growing into what we all knew Leia was going to become. And as the, the series went on, she really showed her strength. So I understand why they did it now. I was annoyed at the beginning when they first showed her. But now that in retrospect, I, I totally understand why they did it. So that's really not a complaint per se. But it was really the only negative thing that I had to say about this entire series. I, I absolutely, of all these, all the series that have been, you know, from from The Mandalorian to Book of Boba Fett and all of them, this has been my favorite Disney series to date. And I've loved The Mandalorian and Boba Fett, but. This one just was head and shoulders above, in my opinion. And I think maybe it's because, and I made this statement on social media, is of all the shows, including the movies, the prequels, these the latest three movies, the, the standalone movies, all the series on Disney, this one, to me, felt the most like the original trilogy, Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. And it really, to me, did have that feel of those first three movies. And I think that's why I loved it so very, very much. So if you haven't watched it yet or you haven't finished it yet, do yourself a favor. If you have Disney+, Plus, seek out Obi-Wan Kenobi and give it a watch. It's only six episodes they're all an hour long, so you can 
you want to binge it, you can knock it off in a day if you have nothing to do. Trust me, if you're a Star Wars fan, specifically the original series, you will not be disappointed. Now, there's been talks that there's going to be a second season. And I, I thought about this today, and I wouldn't be sad if there was a second season to Obi-Wan, because there's more that they could tell with the story. But if they didn't do any more after this, I think they ended it perfectly to set it up so you can sort of jump right into A New Hope. So I think they set that up perfectly. So and maybe they did that because they weren't sure if there was going to be a second season or not. But I kind of hope there isn't just because they ended it so perfectly. But like I said, if they do have a second season, of course I'm going to watch it. It's Star Wars, for crying out loud. So if you have any thoughts about the season of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'd love to hear them. Let me know on Facebook or Twitter at TooBoldlyPod. And I don't have any closers for this show, so I'll simply say... These aren't the droids you're looking for.